Welcome to episode 118 of Frame Skip. I am Austin Eller, and I'm joined by, for this week, the co-host, Seth Slakehouse. How's it going, Seth? Really the only one that matters, though, huh? Like, right. I mean, let, yeah, let's, let's be honest. We're the yeah. champs. Yeah. We- like, uh, the OGs, the <laughs> dynamic duo, the tag team. Let's be honest. It's like the the podcast Battle Royale, except we're the last two standing. <laughs> <laughs> have been for a long time buddy <laughs> i played enough PUBG and apex i know how this goes <laughs> yeah yeah exactly now uh, i'm doing all right man very stressed um constantly full of anxiety and worry oh, i don't wow. sleep much these days that's pretty similar we sound like the same person yeah um <laughs> i'll be honest buying a house one of the most miserable experiences of my life one of the most miserable experiences of my life, dude. Did I tell you what happened to me uh, no. on the last episode? No. So the mortgage, like, like when you go to buy a house, you can go to like, like one of these lending agents, right? So basically they, they shop for a mortgage for you. I don't really know how they get paid. But what I do know about this person that I'm going through is when I asked where she was so I could come meet her in her office. Her office was in our state's representative's office because she was Excuse also me? the she was also the assistant state representative. Um, so I'm not sure. <laughs> that seems like a conflict of interest, to be honest. I don't know. I, I I was like, do you do this on your like? What do you do as an assistant to the state representative? I don't know. So this lady pre-approved me for a loan, right? And we put in an offer. And it got accepted on this house, and it was a conventional loan, so everything was was you know good. I didn't have to um, meet like the 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 super strict requirements for a first time homeowner's loan. Well, apparently, from what I believe, they didn't look at my credit at all when they they proved it. They looked at my debt to income ratio, and they were just like, "Here you go, right?" Oh my gosh! So I get a, a text like two weeks ago. From this lady, she's like, "Hey, did you know you have a dispute on all three credit companies, or you know, credit reporting agencies?" And I was like, "Well, I filed a dispute on one of my um, student debts. It's not a student loan, but it was like from straight from the college." And I was like, "I filed that like four years ago. That shouldn't have just popped up now." And she's like, "Oh yeah, it just popped up. Yeah, okay, it just popped up, definitely." Um, so for the last two weeks, I have been. Calling TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, telling them, hey, please remove this dispute. I'm not disputing it anymore. It's legit. That's fine. Just I need you to get the dispute removed. Because she didn't care that it was on there. What she cared about was that it said I disputed it, which apparently is like a big deal when you um apply for a mortgage. So like heads up to people out there. That's interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Heads up to people out there, even though like everyone tells you you can dispute, you know, um, debts and whatnot and get them removed, you won't be able to get a mortgage for it. So that's that was a learning experience. Anyway, um, turns out uh, working with credit reporting agencies is about as interesting as you would expect. Right. So it took two weeks of me calling them uh, about four times and her pulling my credit over and over and over again. 
and just seeing my credit score just plummet from all the hard inquiries that by the end of it, I no longer qualified for the loan that she originally quoted me for. So then we had lost two weeks and she had to quote me for a first time homeowner's loan, which is a better interest rate anyway. It's a better deal. But now I have to go do a whole bunch of extra stuff and the like margins for error are razor thin if I want to close on time. So just a, a terrible experience. Wow. Yeah. Well, frankly, like, I don't know. I, I think everybody agrees on this, but the whole credit score system as a whole is horrendous. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. It's the whole, like, you know, the hard inquiries thing and oh my God. the um, needing to have more accounts to have a higher credit score. It's like, well, wouldn't you think that being responsible and having a lower number of accounts means more? But no, yeah, no, so it I doesn't just, work that way. I just, like, and like, the thing is, is that no one really knows how it works either, right? Like the, the numbers are all different, from different agencies. And you know what? They don't really tell you exactly how it works. And the way that it does work doesn't make any sense. Like for instance, I thought my plan was rock solid, right? I had a few credit cards and I just threw them in a drawer with zero balance on them after I made one purchase. And that was it. No, you can't do that, actually. You have to use them and pay them off. Yes. I just learned this like two days ago. So now I'm like, so having a low balance isn't enough. Now I have to use these and I have to pay them off every month. Like, what is going on here? The system is is completely nonsense. I will say this. The I do have two credit cards for just for the purpose of credit building. Uh, Frankly, if I didn't need to build my credit, I would not have credit cards. But if you find a good card that has like a good point system, a good reward system, then it kind of is like worth using it. Like I actively use my credit card for all purchases and I'll just get home and pay it off that day. Like I just go home every single time I make a big purchase and just pay it. I don't even wait till like the end of the month. Um, but it still is just a pain. I have to yeah. deal with all of it. I have a Capital One credit card and it gives me like 1% back on everything. So like that that's pretty sweet, right? Like everything is essentially one percent cheaper, which is pretty cool. Um, but I don't know, man. It's a it, I hate <laughs> I hate the credit the credit system. It's so st- like why? Okay, yeah. Your your core goes down when someone has an inquiry against you. So why do you have the whole system anyway? If like it just drops when someone looks at it, it doesn't make any sense. The whole thing makes no sense. Well, it's this is my last note. I can't wait to pay off my student loans and then have my credit score tank because I paid <laughs> off my student exactly. loans. Exactly. Should not work that way. Should not work that way. So exactly. Also, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I just, again, last thing. I'm a pretty salty about the fact that immediately after midterms, they were like, well, the student loan uh, forgiveness thing might not happen. Right. <laughs> and we're and no one's talking about it. We're all just letting it slide. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's true. It's true. It's a good point. So, yeah. Well, good luck with the move. I know it's coming up soon and hopefully all hey, that will, will be fine. You want to you wanna fly up here and help me move? <laughs> <laughs> if I had days off, I would. <laughs> <laughs> just fly up here for like six hours. All right, bud. Thanks. That is the worst thing, though, in in all of reality is moving. Oh, I it is, hate it. It's awful. Packing up everything you own into cardboard boxes. And you know what's worse? 
um, when you're an avid action figure collector. <laughs> yes. Now you have to rebox everything and then pack them up. And oh my god, I've gotten I have two rolls of bubble wrap, and usually I when I get too tired of packing them back in the boxes, I just wrap them in bubble wrap real nice and throw them in a box. It's like it's a, you, it's insane. Do you keep all the original boxes for your figures? Uh, not anymore. So. Now I just keep the the boxes for like my high end figures, like my figure arts, figmas, um, and my high end statues. The other ones I just get rid of them now. I used to keep like all my boxes, right? But then I'm like, oh, this is too much shit I have lying around everywhere. Like it's just, it's it's a it's a bunch of nonsense, and I don't have the room for it. What I will say though is when you're moving, it's really convenient because you don't have to worry about them getting damaged, but. Like, well, that's that's more applicable for statues, right? Action figures, they're poseable, so they, they don't get damaged as much. But statues, um, for sure, there's there's an issue with them getting damaged. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I've kept all of my like Monster Hunter figure builder uh, figures. They're like they're they're about like 115 bucks for each one. They're like pretty, pretty big statues. And I've kept those. But I, that I collection is sweet else. that you have, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I've tried. Are you? <laughs> do you now? Here's the, here's the question about the Monster Hunter figures I have for you, Austin. Do you feel complete? Do you feel like you've had enough? Yes, actually, I feel like I've I'm I think I've finally reached that point because <laughs> I haven't bought any of the small ones in a long time. Like they're amiibo size, but they're really high quality. Yes, I haven't bought any of those in maybe a year and a half two years my only problem is the the two big guys i wanted like i said they're called the the figure builder models they're about 115 each um i've got three of those now and really they're the main three i want the only issue is if they like reprint another one i may fall back into those (laughs) so for the most part i feel pretty complete there's no part of you that was like, man, if I had a lot more disposable income, I would go buy like the the big statues or like anything yeah. like that. Well, for me, it would. Yeah, I, I would feel that way if I had, a, had more <laughs> disposable income. The problem I'm running into, though, is space. Oh, um, we're like yeah. just so out of space and I can't get another display case in here. We've got two and that's really all we can fit in this apartment. If I were able to fit more. No, for sure. I would. I think I would continue. That was but. that was the biggest motivating factor for me in buying a house was that the space, dude. Because me and her, we do not have enough space. Like when I was by myself, it was a lot better. Um, but then, like with with her collections and my collections, and like, um, just it gets annoying after a while too because you can't move furniture around with my angled with my angled ceilings. Like this thing right here. This is this is my ceiling, right? That I'm touching. Steph is touching us as ceiling on the camera right now behind him. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's angled at like a 45 degree angle at my yeah. head. I can't move my desk anywhere or my couch or my TV. Like I, I'm right. stuck exactly where it's at. So that would be nice having storage space because right now I have no like a spare bedroom or anything to store things yeah. in or a garage. So it's it's nice, but I don't know, man. There's I thought I was done collecting like action figures and whatnot and then i just got dialed into the dragon ball sh figure arts line and now i have probably 50 percent of that whole collection so 
Yeah, I don't have anything pre-ordered. Or no, I take that back. I still have an Evangelion <laughs> figure pre-ordered from Big Bad Toy Store that I pre-ordered like no joke two years ago that still has not arrived. And it just keeps getting delayed. But I know I'm out of space because like I'm thinking I still haven't built my Metal Gear Rex Kotobukiya mm-hmm. kit and I've got uh, another Gundam I still need to build. But when I think about them, I get anxious because I'm like, okay, when I build these things, where are they going to go? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I just have nowhere. Sad. It's super sad because I have a lot of really nice Gundam kits and they're all just in a box because I have no room for them. Um, but when I move into the new place, I think one of the first things I'm going to do is build this siren from Xenoblade 2. Nice. Kit that I have. But uh, awesome. yeah, as far as Monster Hunter goes, how does it, how do you feel about the fact that you be, made me uh, a Monster Hunter fan <laughs> and I've beaten two Monster Hunter games now? <laughs> And yet you don't play them with me at all, ever. <laughs> well, you've got to switch again. I so do switch again. Come back to Monster Hunter Rise. I, I you can do it. I can't because I have it on PC now. <laughs> I played on PC. It's a much better experience. Okay, so here's the thing. Like moving forward, this is my we're going like way off topic, but this is a good conversation. So between the last episode and this episode, they announced that Monster Hunter Rise is coming to PS5 and Series X. They're finally yes. porting it over. Um, and it's digital only, which is a little odd, considering the number of world sold. I figured they would have pumped that thing out physical. But um, they have got to fix with Monster Hunter 6, is what it would be, the next mainline Monster Hunter game. If it's going to be on multiple systems, if it's going to be on Series X, PS5, and PC, that thing has got to be cross-play or cross-save. In some capacity. Yeah. They can't keep releasing it on three plus systems with no way to play with people on other systems and no cross save. Because that's my big issue. Like I would buy the PC version in a heartbeat of Rise if my hundred and fifty hours would transfer over. Yeah. But they don't. I mean, like the the blueprints there, I mean, Blizzard did it flawlessly with Diablo 4 and Activision does it with Destiny, I believe. Yes, they do. They keep the saves on their end, right? You log into the the system, and they keep the saves on their end. Now, I don't, I'm not necessarily convinced Capcom can pull it off, but that's how you do it. I mean, then you don't have to worry about it at all because essentially, just the launcher is on, um, the the console. That's it. Right. Right. So, either way, looking forward to seeing what they do with with six. I'm assuming that'll be more of a world two style. Full, fully fledged like PS5 games. You think I'm we're ever going to get that. the la- the last mainline was a Monster Hunter Four, right? World was technically Monster Hunter Five. Okay, was so was. I was, that's yeah. what I was going to ask. You don't think we're ever going to see a Monster Hunter Five then? No, no. Um, probably what they'll do moving forward is subtitle everything. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be either that or they'll do World Two subtitle but i i think everything's gonna have its own unique name if i had to go out on a limb and it sounds like a gander <laughs> after four things start to sound silly don't they like yes fast five you know yeah. like star wars episode nine final okay. fantasy kinda, 16 <laughs> yeah you're kind of like eh, this is kind of lame yeah so well good times i wanted to say uh right quick while we're not talking about gaming things we've talked about all sorts of stuff how much we hate the credit system figures moving 
I uh, and you you touched on this right before we started recording. Andy and I over the weekend went to this thing in Atlanta called the Stranger Things experience, and I think they're kind of spread out. It's like a pop up kind of exhibit type thing that mm-hmm. this company does. I think there might be one in like L.A. I know they did one in the U.K. and there's one in Atlanta right now. But it was fascinating. My parents bought us tickets kind of as a Christmas gift. And it was awesome, Seth. It was the closest thing I can imagine to like being at Disney without being at Disney. Because oh, you sweet. you were taken through this like hour long experience, all these different sets and rooms, and they all had actors that were, you know, built into the experience that um, you know, made you feel like you were actually there. And so it was very, very impressive. Like, I don't know. Uh, the the coolest part for me, there was a, a segment. And if you, for some reason, live near Atlanta or care about getting spoiled about the experience, if you plan on going, maybe don't listen to this part of the podcast. But um, there is a segment where you're taken into this like control room. And there's like a computer in front of you and like all these screens and all the cast members from the show like recorded original scenes for the experience. And so, Oh yeah, I'm looking at it now. It looks really cool. Yeah. There are like video walls all over this control room. It looks like you're in like this old, like eighties, you know, uh, security room where you've got the, the computers and like multiple like CRT screens all along this wall. And then you've got around you what appear to be windows. What or I, I guess they're actually supposed to be doors. But they're kind of like opaque. They've got like a crystal kind of like white shade over them. And something happens at one point and like the Demogorgons get out. And in the cameras in front of you on these CRT screens, you can see like scientists. You're like supposed to be in the the lab. You can see scientists like running down the hallways. And in the windows that are, they really do look like windows, but they're actual video screens. You can see like the, the shadows of like people running past outside the room and at one point like the demogorgons like come up and try and get into the room and they're like banging against the windows and you can see their their like outline beyond the 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 screen it, it was really really interesting but um that is pretty cool yeah cause it looked dude this looks awesome yeah so yeah. it looks like there's there's one in atlanta los angeles and then london yeah um you not, if you're not near any of those spots you should go because it is. I mean, if you're a fan of the show, I should clarify. I think if you're not, you probably wouldn't get as much out of it. But I had a, a blast, an absolute blast. Yeah. And it looks it, really cool. Yeah. At the end, you like go to you can go to like Scoops Ahoy and get ice cream. And oh, they have um, Argyle, his like pizza shop. You can go get like pizza there. It was it was awesome. So. Yeah, me and uh, me and Caitlin just recently watched all of Stranger Things. I I had seen it already, not barring you know the latest season, but um, it was her first time and she loved it. I mean, I I've always loved Stranger Things. I thought I think it's a great series. Um, did you know that in the uh, can't spoil it, the sword was actually Kun the Barbarian sword. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Kun the Barbarian sword. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea. Yep. Yeah, that Pretty show cool. is is so special. I I had seen the first two seasons when they aired, but 
I had never seen three and four. And then mm-hmm. Andy and I sat down and watched the whole thing through over the summer when season four released. And I, I know we talked about this on the show before, but I think it's one of those few shows that is hyped up like crazy that actually lives up to the hype. Oh yeah. I mean, I it's, agree. it's, it's so well done. I agree. So well done. Um, so it's funny cause I did a very similar thing this just last week. Nice. Which is, I went to uh, the Harry Potter Forbidden Force experience. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was very similar uh, type of thing. We we drove to New York and um, we went through this like forest experience thing with a whole bunch of um, props. And there was uh, things you can like swing your wand at and um, giant holographic images and, and creatures and stuff like that. And you could drink butter beer at the village and get like um dragon flame roasted um like meat and stuff like that it was really cool um it was really fun but kind of a drive kind of a hike and we stayed in wilkesboro scranton and for anyone traveling through pennsylvania you don't stay in scranton (laughs) no matter how much you love the office (laughs) yeah it's not the same i mean not the office does not show the city um so i actually got wilkesboro's highest rated hotel right i was like if because it was exactly halfway the four hour drive there and then two hours back to the, the hotel. I was like, okay, let me get the highest rated hotel in, in Wilkes-Barre. This place was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, Caitlin got stuck in the bathroom because the, the door didn't work correctly. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I had to let her out from the, from the outside. It was, it was, a, it was a mess. Um, and like, you got on the bed and it, it was like one of those old school, like, like super spring beds where you, you sit on one side yeah. and the other side goes, goes up real high. Sky rockets. Like, yeah. Oh my God. It was, it was a, a nightmare, but that's hilarious. Yeah. That sounds fun too. That I, I saw you posted that. I didn't realize that was kind of in the same vein. That's awesome. Yeah. Did it, you guys it, it like was... dress up when you went or no, there was a bunch of people that did dress up. I I didn't know. You never really know. Right. Like it, what the vibe is going to be when you go, you never really know if you're going to yeah. be the only people that are dressed up or, you know, how that's going to work out. That was like, kind of like that for us. Cause we dressed up like we were in the eighties. So I had mm-hmm. like a denim shirt on and I had, I luckily at Walmart, I found a star Wars shirt that was based off episode four and it was like retro style. That's pretty sweet. So I was like, I'm going to wear this. I'm going to tuck this in have my like, jean shirt on and like wear tennis shoes and it's going to be 80s but when we got there we were like the only people dressed up <laughs> so, but it was a good time because when we walked out when you got to like the ending area there was this little like reporter actor and he was like yeah i'm, I'm whatever with the hawkins post and we chose you guys for best dressed and he like snapped our photo i was like oh okay that's interesting that's so. pretty sweet that's pretty sweet well, you're famous there you go yeah so well good stuff good stuff so why don't we, Seth, get into video games a little bit? Now, there was a big uh, piece of news for us to talk about this week, which is the Game Awards, which happened about Great. a week ago, a little under a week ago at the time of recording. And I just want to say going into this, that after last year, I very, I definitely remember saying on the podcast that I would not watch the Game Awards again. Right. <laughs> However, I watched them. And I just have to say, before we get into the announcements, I actually thought the Game Awards were really good this year. I thought that Jeff learned a lot from last year, which frankly was pretty pretty rough. Um, yeah. Um, 
I don't know, man. I, so I haven't watched the Game Awards uh, two years now. This is the second year. And I just learned after, really after the VGAs died and, and Jeff took over his own thing with the VGAs, um, they were terrible from from Jump Street, you know? And I just, I they were, they were so long and I was tired of wasting my time waiting for, for announcements, so. I just found it better to catch up, but it sounds like I missed a good show because everyone's saying yeah. how how good they are that they, they were this year. I still think it could have been a little tighter. It was about two and a half hours, a little over. I still think like two hours would have been excellent, but I know that's like a hard sell when you've got tons of ads and games and all these awards to right. give out. But I know last year, I want to say it was closer to like 3, 3.15, if I'm recalling, which was just too much, way too much. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like at the longest, their show was like four hours long. At least that, do they still have like yeah. concerts and whatnot going on? Yes, but it was toned down this year, which I appreciated. I know some people like the music, but they only had, there was one part where they had some song from God of War, which I had never even heard. I don't know when it plays, but it has like Hozier, whoever that guy is. And they had like the full orchestra up there. But I I had never heard that song in the game. So I have no idea when that plays. But it was that. And then they had something where Halsey came out and was singing some song from Diablo 4. And that yeah. was it. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. I'll never forget the, the famous Grand Theft Auto 5 concert. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that. Awful awful i forgot about that what do you think about um elden ring winning game of the year oh i think it's well deserved i mean i i haven't played much of it which we'll get into that a little bit later but i haven't really played enough to have an opinion but my thought going into it was like yes my game of the year spoiler alert is going to be god of war i mean it's a absolutely incredible game but I just know from the conversation of Elden Ring, you know, God of War is more God of War at the end of the day. Elden Ring seems like this more innovative take on the Soul series and is is kind of a new, you know, just a more innovative game, I would say, than than God of War. And so on that front, I, I thought it was well deserved. I wasn't shocked by that at all. Yeah, Elden Ring was uh was my pick because it was a very unique experience that I had never um really played before in a game right. very very cool yeah yeah take it away cool well let's uh jump into a few of these old uh announcements and i'm not going to run us through every single little thing but we can chat about some of the big ones and i wanted to start off with hades getting a sequel hades 2 which i thought was pretty surprising i I know that Supergiant, I think is, if I'm recalling the um, development team, I know they've yep. never done a sequel for any of their games before. So right. I was pretty shocked by this one. I know Hades was super successful. I played a decent amount of Hades and loved it. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, really excited to see this. Yeah, the the one thing that always stands out to me about Supergiant games is the art style and music. I mean, yes gorgeous games and Hades wasn't my cup of tea just because it was a a roguelike and I'm just I'm not into them um but I am I absolutely love Transistor 
I thought Transistor was a phenomenal game that did not get enough attention. Um, but everyone keeps saying how good the story is in Hades, which always makes me it's want really to go good. back and and uh, and play it. So I, I probably will at some point and just try and try and like the the rogue like <laughs> experience, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's an uphill battle for sure because I was kind of in the same boat as you. I'm not a big fan of the roguelike. Uh, you know, another thing they announced at the show, which I kind of passed over, was they announced Returnal was coming to PC, and I never really wanted to play Returnal because I heard it was really difficult and your runs could go on for hours. And to me, I was like, okay, that just sounds like a nightmare. Um, but the the thing that I liked about Hades was it's really easy to get back into a new run. Like as you get further and further, you, you do progress like your, your character build levels up and you're able to, you know, you don't have to start from the very beginning every single time as you progress further, you can start further down the line and, you'll have better gear makes it easier more abilities and it's a really interesting game i i never beat it so i need to go back and and beat it at some point but i probably played a good 15 20 hours and just really really enjoyed what i played so hades 2 is for sure day one for me awesome yeah maybe maybe i'll jump in it's been been on, on my list for a long time yeah here's another one for you i'm not the biggest Bioshock fan, but even I thought Ken Levine's new game Judas looked pretty sweet. I Maybe agree. You want to try Bioshock again? So, um, did you listen to the latest Sacred Symbols? No, not yet. I'm listening to it now, but I'm not at to at where um, they're talking about this game yet. Yeah. So they speculated, and I kind of do as well that this might just be a Bioshock game. It looks pretty damn similar. Like, it's... There's not a whole lot different to it. Well, so, do you remember these rumors a few years ago that there was going to be a Bioshock in space? Yes. Yes. Okay, so, the trailer of this game appears to actually take place in space and so what i'm gathering from this trailer is it's um a bioshock looking game um it is in space it is um you're it's got the art style you're using plasma moid looking things they were called plasmoids plasmids yeah uh, one, one or the other um and i don't know man it everything kind of lines up there was that rumor about bioshock being in space and it just it, it, it would be a huge surprise right i mean the new bioshock game is coming out and as um Conway already leaked. It's taking place in like an Arctic setting, but let's be honest. This really would be the next Bioshock game. I mean, yeah. this this looks just like a Bioshock game. It's from the creator of Bioshock. This would be like George Lucas making a new sci-fi movie series with lightsabers. You know, um, 
Yeah, I mean, just, you've got you've got the powers, you've got the mechanical kind of yeah. not quite steampunk, but that whole like mechanical feel and it's extraordinarily similar looking. Yeah. So, how many did you play all three BioShock games? I played a bit of one. I never played two and I loved Infinite. Yeah, so I played through Infinite. I um BioShock Infinite is one of my favorite games of all time. I I, yeah, that, I agree. That is a fantastic experience. Um, man, this just every the, the, there's no distinction at all from this trailer. There, everything is Bioshock in this. It, the art style, the animations, everything. So, I understand that it's not called Bioshock, but this is this is going to be a phenomenal game. You can just tell yeah. by looking at it. And, um, I think I think Ken Levine is a f- master at storytelling. Um, so I'm yeah, really excited. I will say this watching, like I said, at the, the top of this conversation, watching that trailer did make me want to go back and play Bioshock one and two, because I loved infinite, but at the time one just really didn't click with me. And yeah. I've kind of held with that, that mindset throughout the years, but with them having released like the, the remasters for next gen and, or I guess for PS4, um, I, I I should go back at some point and play at, at least play one. I I know two yeah. people don't speak quite as highly of, but do you did you I have the um did you have the twist spoiled for you in Bioshock one? No. Oh, dude. No. I I know there's a big twist, but I don't know. I don't one know of the great one of the great I mean, all Bioshock games have a twist, right? And in Infinite, right. it was well, yeah. The one yeah. in Infinite was I I, I I don't even want to say it because I know it's been yeah. out for a decade now, but. It was it was it's so, so good, good. Yeah. and I can't believe you haven't been spoiled on the uh, twist in Bioshock one because people talk about it all the time. But um, you should because it's it's a phenomenal game, and even if you just play it on easy and go through um, and get the story, I think that's fine. And, I, and it's something that I'm I'm coming around to more and more recently, just playing games on easy, just because you don't want to yeah. deal with it. <laughs> I have gotten to the point where unless there's like a trophy specifically associated with difficulty, I will play the game on easy. Yeah. Because I just, one, it cuts down on the time to beat the game, which lets me play more games at the end of the day. But two, I just, I'm at a point now with the time that I have to play, I don't want to sit there and be frustrated with the game. I'd rather just enjoy it. Even if that means it being easy, I enjoyed that more than being challenged at this point in my life. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, I, it depends on the situation for me, right? Um, God of War, I turned down the easy for a while. Um, and Jedi Fallen Order, 100% I turned oh, down. Yeah. Because I was not in the mood for any of that nonsense. Um, and there's there's other ones, too, I can't think of off the top of my head. But, yeah, it, it's all based on just feeling for me. I, I don't usually start the game out on easy, but if I'm like, I'm just getting frustrated and annoyed, I'll just turn it down just to enjoy the game and, and get through it. So. Yeah, totally. So this is kind of a smaller announcement, but I know you were a big Street Fighter fan back in the day. I don't mm-hmm. know if you still are quite as much after Pedro whipped you at one point, but <laughs> barely played since as discussed on this podcast many episodes ago. But Street Fighter six got a release date and some new characters. I want to say it's June. Yeah, if I'm recalling correctly. So what do you think of that, Seth? Are you at all interested in Street Fighter six? No, I'm not. I. <sighs> 
I'm uh, I'm just done. I think with with Street Fighter in this point in my life, I will say that there's there's a fighting game coming up later that we're gonna talk about that looks a lot better. But with Street Fighter, they changed the whole vibe, and now they they want to move on to this next generation and like retire the old characters. I'm like that's that's like the whole reason we play the game, though, right? Like we want to play as like these characters that are that feel familiar. That's why you have a Street Fighter lineage. If you want to move on, create a new series. You have you already have like six fighting game series at Capcom. Like make a new one. I I don't know. Or make a new cross series with it. It's just, I'm not. I don't like the new characters. I definitely don't like the new protagonist of Street Fighter. I think he looks like a goofball, um, and I'm not really into like a create a character thing. So, Street Fighter Six is off off my radar, especially because of how bad apparently Street Fighter Five was. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of create a character in a fighting game. I I feel like the whole point of Street Fighter was the characters themselves and creating a character doesn't really lend itself to that. This is a pretty big one for sure. The star Wars Jedi survivor gameplay trailer and a March release date. Of course, the sequel to Jedi fallen order. And I have to say, I don't know that I'm going to get this right away because I haven't beat fallen order still. I've tried to get through it a few times and um, I just keep getting sidetracked, but it looks awesome. I would I do love know, to play it at some point. I do know me and you feel the same way about it, though, which is that it should not have been a Metroidvania. Um, and I, I die on that hill. Like, it should have been a more linear um, plot-based experience, I think. Yeah, I th- no, I, thought, I totally agree. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you agreed with me on that. Um, but yeah. the first one had a really good story to it. And, and um, you know, the, the way I view it is we've been for some reason done so dirty with star Wars video games. And I don't understand why that I don't think if fallen order was any other property that it would have been so highly praised, but just because it was star Wars and it was a competent video game, we were all just overjoyed. Right. When you go back and play it, there's there's a lot of jank to it. It's it's not very polished. Um and it's I I do think the the Metroidvania aspect was to get a little bit more use out of like the environments and stuff because it doesn't really make sense, but um yeah, I'm I'm super psyched for this because it looks a lot better. It looks a lot polished. It looks like it's going to be a, a lot more dark. And adult themed, especially because it takes place five years after the yeah. first one. Um, and it looks like they're tying into some of the the uh, lore there with the guy who is in the trailer. Looks like he's probably from the High Republic. I don't know. But I'm really excited for this. Uh, March 17th, and I'll be getting that day one. Yeah. I might try and maybe work my way through the first one before then. I, I, I mean, that gives me a few months, so maybe I can do it. But um, I just hope that. You know, the feeling I got from Fallen Order, I didn't think it was a bad game. I didn't think it was particularly amazing, though. Right. And, you know, I probably played about 10 hours, so it's not like I beat it. But the th- the real vibe I got from that game is it felt rushed just yeah. with some of the mechanics and the combat just didn't always feel right. Even on PS5, the game still doesn't run super well. 
Nope. So I'm it hoping doesn't... that this game is really like fully polished. It doesn't run good on my PC either. So it, it's something wrong with the game. And um, the characters, the way they move. Yes. It's the like running they're... animations are bizarre. Yeah. It's it's even like they're them being standing still in like their idle animations. It looks like they're constantly be like buffeted by wind or something. Um, there was something really janky about about the first Fallen Order game, and we loved it. Like I said, because it was a Star Wars game, and it was it was competent. It wasn't greedy like Battlefront Two, or it wasn't terrible. But I think this Jedi Survivor game coming out is going to be good. Feel pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Oh, and by the way, cool fun fact: the lightsabers that you can make at Disney World are the same lightsabers that you can make in Fallen Order. Really? All the parts are the same, yes. That's awesome. And Disney World is coming out with, they're retiring the old ones, and coming out with three new sets of parts that I'm assuming are going to be in Jedi Survivor. I bet you're right. Yeah. That's so cool. It lines up to to perfect. So can you get like the really long hilt? Like he has like the cannon hilt in the game? Because it's like that huge, like, as long as, like, your thigh-looking hilt. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, so you can buy that one. But I'm so like, okay. in Fallen Order, you, you can create your own lightsaber via parts. Okay, so you mean, like, the customizable one specifically? Yes, yes, okay. yeah. You, but you can buy Calcas's lightsaber with the, with the broken end on it and stuff. That's That thing is humongous in the game. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like in real life, but... Well, there's cool there's, looking. like... An actual reason his lightsaber is so big, too. Okay. Well, there you well, go. Hint. Now I need to play it. Biscuit for <laughs> you. Speaking of biscuits, uh, people have been dropping biscuits about Death Stranding 2 for about a year. So this was not a super surprising announcement, but I was excited to see it. It'll be interesting to see what the kind of public perception is on this game this, this time around, because I feel like the thing with Death Stranding, and it's a lot of Kojima's games are like this, but it's more of a cult classic, I feel like. When it released, it wasn't super well received. I mean, it got like stellar reviews ranging down to like, okay, this game is awful reviews. But over time, I think more and more people have started to appreciate it. So I'm really curious to see how this game ends up, you know, when it releases, what what the public perception is i need to finish up the first one still i was playing a ton of it three or four months ago i played about 25 30 hours and was actually really falling in love with it this time around the first time i played it got about five or six hours in when it launched and just really was not enjoying it whatsoever but going back to it i i was really having a great time so i'm excited to to play death stranding 2 when it comes out I don't really have much to say on it except for the fact that the whole discourse around the game really rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed me like um, an artsy film critic rubs me where like you have these people saying, oh, video games don't have to be fun for you to enjoy them. And I'm like, yeah, they kind of do, actually. Um, I'm not going to sit down and play a video game that I know isn't going to be fun. Um, Now, whether like what they meant by that, I'm not really sure, but I never even played Death Stranding because it didn't seem like my cup of tea, and I, I just didn't feel like that. Yeah. I, it was I was ever going to give it a fair shot because I didn't I didn't want to play it. Um, 
but the story has always seemed interesting. I, from yeah. what, because I I looked up um an explanation of the story because I just knew I was never going to play it, and I'm not really sure how the sequel is going to play out. But yeah, I have like no it. idea. I have no idea what happens um at the end of Death Stranding one. I think I was maybe on chapter six or chapter seven, and I want to say there might be. 14 or 15 chapters, I'm not sure. So I think I was almost halfway through, but yeah, well, it uh, it looks good. And I can't wait to see. We can officially say that it's not the blue box game, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was an interesting one. I, I feel like I have to throw this one on here just briefly. Uh, you know, Kevin Conroy, of course, of course we lost pretty recently and they announced that he would be voicing Batman one final time and in, in the upcoming Suicide Squad game gotta be honest I'm not really looking forward to that game that much but I thought that was a pretty neat announcement to see that he'll have one final final uh, time as Batman yeah um, so the Suicide Squad push that DC's doing confuses me Right, because none of the Suicide Squad movies have been like very well received. Um, the last one was pretty well received. The James Gunn was, yeah. Uh, I didn't even watch it. I thought it. I, thought, I enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't freaking received. But I, I might be wrong. wrong. No, you're probably right because I, I generally don't pay attention to superhero movies anymore. But like the Suicide Squad's never been a popular group. Except for Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's been the only popular character. And Harley Quinn wasn't even popular until Margot Robbie. People forget that. Like Harley Quinn wasn't even really um a standout character at all. She was just another Batman villain. But it's true. Um I don't know. I'm not really interested in, in Kill the Justice League. Yeah. No, I'm not I'm not re- really interested in it either, to be honest with you. It's just not Frankly, I don't really like the Suicide Squad as a whole. I think they're okay, but I don't think many people do. I like I real I don't know where these fans are because they've they've never I've never talked to one except for Elijah, who admittedly <laughs> likes terrible things all the time. But <laughs> I've never been talked to someone who's been like, "Yo, I love the Suicide Squad." Yeah, Mister Shark or whatever his name is, I'm all about him. <laughs> King Shark, yeah. Captain Boomerang, favorite villain. But this is the one thing I do think is interesting, though, is this does take place in the Arkhamverse, right? I believe so. Okay, I well, believe that's Batman, what they said. Batman's supposed to be dead in the Arkhamverse. Yeah, that's true. So I'm not sure. He's a goner. How how that works, but definitely pretty cool. Um, Kevin, hearing Kevin Conroy as Batman for the last time. I mean, I do hope it's good. At the end of the day, even though I'm not really looking forward to it, you know. Um, Rocksteady made so many good Batman games. I mean, even though Arkham Knight was kind of the the, the meh of the three, I think all three are still phenomenal games. And so I really do, at the end of the day, even though I'm not a Suicide Squad fan, I do hope this game is good. I, I, I really do. So. I agree. Diablo 4 got a release date June 6th. Seth, I'm really looking forward to Diablo 4. I don't know if you are, but I read some of the previews. There were some people that in the media that were able to play about 10 hours, and previews were pretty pretty glowing. So 
I'm hoping it's good. I love three. I mean, I love three too, man. But at a certain point, I have to check myself and be like, well, it's Blizzard Activision. You know? It's true. It's true. And the massive downturn of that company in, in the absolute textbook way to ruin your fan base and, and ruin um, people's trust in the company, they should write a whole novel about it, right? It's just like, I watched them destroy World of Warcraft. I watched them absolutely blunder Diablo. Um, and I just, I'm probably not going to buy this on release date. I, I would like to hope that it's good. But just knowing Blizzard and just knowing the scumminess that they they put out, I just I, I I'm not gonna buy it on release date. Yeah, no, I won't either. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I I'm in the same boat. I don't trust them enough, frankly. Um, you know, Di- Diablo three was a long time ago, and even talking about that game, even that game launched in an awful state. That's what I was gonna say. Diablo three was not well received at launch. People did not yeah. like it. So. so I do hope four is good though. I think mechanically, graphically, the game looks phenomenal. I just hope it actually holds up that way at launch. So Seth, I know you were playing this game somewhat recently. Horizon Forbidden West is getting a new DLC burning shores. Are you at all interested in purchasing and playing that DLC? No. Me either. <laughs> I I am Pretty much done with Horizon, I think. I, yeah. Listen, man, the further I get away from that game, the more I'm like, nah, I'm good, man. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know what the, the like, people who rave about these games see. I liked the first one enough, right? I never went back to it, but I liked it enough. And I beat Forbidden West not that long ago. And I just, I forced my way through the first 50% and the last 5% of that game. And I have no desire to go back to it. Yeah, Horizon, you know, for a long time I was saying that Horizon and The Last of Us are those two Sony series that I just can't do. I'm on the same boat with you. I think The Last of Us, though, I'll say this. I think The Last of Us may be coming back around on me. I think I'm, I'm finding myself more interested after seeing the trailer for the new hbo show and at some point i think i have convinced myself that i do want to play too um that said horizon i just i don't know man i i I can't do it horizon as much as i love sony it's just i did not enjoy the first one at all the most uninspired cookie cutter game i've ever played my whole life just yeah not a fun game to play whatsoever. Here's an, another interesting one. I, I had kind of a mixed reaction to this, so I'm curious what your take is. Amazon is publishing an anime MMO called Blue Protocol in development by Bandai Namco. It'll launch next year. Dude, I what thought did you this think game, when you saw this? I thought this game looked so cool. So until, did I. Until I found out it was an MMO. So did I. All excitement for me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, this game looks awesome. Yeah. It's an MMO. Uh, It's published by Amazon. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. At that point, it just really lost me. I hope it's good, but it 
MMO, Amazon published their last published game did not go over well at all. So I don't yeah, know. I will. Um, I will not be. Uh, <laughs> I, will, I have no more room for MMOs. You know, that's yes. I agree. Uh, there's nothing I want to play. Do you have any comments on this crime boss Rock a City game starring Chuck Norris? I that they I announced. Do not. I have okay, no neither do I. <laughs> neither do I, because that looked like one of the most crime boss Rock a City alone. That name alone tells me, okay. A little too generic for me. <laughs> what I did find interesting, however, is the Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty trailer. Where they announced that Idris Elba is going to be the next kind of uh, celebrity to be featured right. in Cyberpunk. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is going to be like a ongoing trend with them in the, in the Cyberpunk series forever. There's just going to be a big name that, yeah. that's helping push the series, which I'm I'm cool with. Um, I mean, you got one of those beloved celebrities of all time in yep. the first one, Keanu Reeves, and then in the expansion, you're going to get Idris Elba, who's also beloved. I'm fine with it. I um, I'm just ready for more cyberpunk, right? Like I I left Cyberpunk 2077 on a really high note. I I thought that it was really good once once I actually um beat it, and I'm hoping that this expansion is like the bow on like the redemption story for cyberpunk, where it's like they come out in this expansion is phenomenal, and Everybody raves about it, and CD Projekt is back. That's what I would like to see. I guess I guess only time will tell, you know? Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think, frankly, this needs to come out and be really good. I think yeah. if it comes out and has some issues, whether that be mechanically or, you know, just the overall content of the expansion, I think that's going to be a problem for them. I know that Cyberpunk has obviously had this resurgence, but they've really got to prove their their weight at this point they've got to they've got to make something really good and i i think they have the chops to do it um i'm excited to see what they do i mean i think the the trailer for it looked awesome and i'm kind of in the same boat as you you know i I never beat cyberpunk because we were both playing it at the same time a couple months back but i do want to go back to it i'd probably played a good like 35 40 hours and loved it yeah i mean i i just had a great experience with it so as long as I can beat the the original before this and this expansion's good, I will for sure play the expansion. So yeah, I would actually like to see a little more lore out of the cyberpunk um, world from Deep Project because they did a really good job of that with The Witcher. Now, what I will say is, I really hope this isn't um, a mid campaign expansion because that's yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves when they yep. release expansions that take place in the middle of a campaign. And CD Projekt did this once with Hearts of Stone, and then thankfully their other expansion, uh, Blood and Wine, took place after the Witcher 3 campaign. But I hate that, man. I really hate that. Yeah, I mean, you've got to build on the story. I don't know, yeah. I don't know how Cyberpunk ends, so I'm not sure like if there are any hints in these trailers that kind of indicate where it may lie, but I do hope it's like you said, you know, especially when the game's dozens of hours long. I, I, I do hope it's something that is post story conclusion. 
Yeah, I, I never played um, the Mass Effect 3 DLC, which was supposed to be fantastic because yeah. it took place in the middle of the campaign. I'm like, Same. well, my, my campaign's over, you know? Yeah. Like, that was the my Mass ended. Effect. Yeah, that was my Mass Effect 3 playthrough. I, I don't want to. Seth, the next thing, I know you said you didn't watch it, but they, uh, Yoshi P came out, showed off a new trailer for Final Fantasy 16 called the Revenge trailer. Yep. And alongside the announcement that the game's releasing on June 22nd. And I just got to say, from my end, I thought the trailer looked amazing. Frankly, aside from Breath of the Wild 2, or I guess just, I should say Tears of the Kingdom or whatever it's called. This is probably my most anticipated game right now. It looks so good and is exactly what I want out of Final Fantasy. I I enjoyed 15, but I love that they're going back to the more medieval style. Just continues to look great. Um yeah, dude, Yoshi P does nothing but stack wins. Nothing but stack wins. And um this game looks phenomenal. Like it's like like I told you, but like you mentioned earlier, I don't. I'm not watching any more trailers. I knew after the first trailer, I was in. I was probably going to be in either way because it's a new Final Fantasy game, right? But I was really excited for it. And Square Enix historically spoils a ton of their games in their trailers, and I think that's that's where I'm going to go from now on with trailers. Is that like if I'm interested, I'll watch the first opening trailer, the reveal trailer, and then I'm out, right? Because, um. We're getting to a point now where like they're spoiling the entire story in trailers, but really excited for this. Uh, I'm really excited to be playing a red mage as uh, a main character in Final Fantasy. Yeah, I think that's cool. And um, yeah, I love Yoshi P. He he does nothing but put out excellence, and I think he's gonna craft a really really fantastic story. And it's I'm not surprised that. This game's coming out already on like a decent release schedule because the dude, the dude is great at what he does, and I really hope that he moves up at Square and can like kind of fix some of the issues that Square Enix has as far as development and management go because they clearly yeah. have a massive amount of issues. No, I mean he knows how to run a run a development team. I think that's yeah. pretty clear. Like he sure. is very efficient about what he does. I mean you can look at all they've done with fourteen and little, you know talking about the rebirth itself but also just the sheer amount of content expansions mm-hmm. all the changes they've made to the game frankly in a pretty short amount of time i mean the game has grown drastically in the past what eight or so years i forget when it was when a realm reborn launched but it's very impressive and then to know that on top of a realm reborn for the past couple of years he's been working on this mm-hmm. it's it's astounding so i can't wait for this game Frankly, I'm probably going to buy it day one, no matter oh, yeah. what the review scores are. <laughs> I, I really don't care. Like, I trust him enough to know that this is going to be a really good game. Also, one thing I do want to say about Square Enix, pretty ballsy with the, the Crisis Core review embargo. Yes. That thing he dropped, that thing dropped before December. Yeah. It was like November 30th, the review embargo. It was like a out. week before launch. Yeah. Well, no, well, it was way before a week before launch because launch is tomorrow. Oh, that's true. And yeah. the reviews have been out for like two weeks. And it's like, hey, you guys. Yeah. You guys have pretty got great reviews. That. Yeah. So I really hope that next year, I always say this, but if I've got time, 
I really hope that next year is the the year where I can sit down and play some of the, some Final Fantasy games. Specifically, I want to play Original Seven and beat it. I played about halfway through it. I've never I've never beat it before. I want to play remake and I want to play Crisis Core at at bare minimum. Yeah, Crisis Core is fantastic. The remake's great. Um, but you do need to play the original seven. Right, right. So. Next one here, which I was super excited about. And man, what a good name. FromSoft announced Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. <laughs> what a freaking awesome name, man. That's so it's, cool. They, they did a cardinal sin. They did a cardinal sin, and it's the thing I hate more than anything. Okay. They released a, a CGI-only trailer with no true. gameplay. That is true. This could I be like a the... dating simulator, right? <laughs> <laughs> mech mech dating simulator. Yep. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with you. I'm I'm really excited for this. I loved Armored Core as a kid playing um the the series on uh PS2 and and PSP. But frankly, it kind of dropped off. I know Armored Core 4 and 5 on PS3 really were not what people wanted. And so I I hope that 6 kind of brings things mainstream. Now, I know they're already talking, which I think this is the right move, frankly. They're already saying, look, we might be from soft, but this is not a Souls game. Like, we're, this is not going to be Souls gameplay. This is going to be Armored Core, which I think is the right move. It might be a little more niche, but I think to an extent, you know, for the past, frankly, 10 years, we've seen FromSoft only make Souls games. And I think they do need to get outside of that niche a little bit. Obviously, that genre is super successful, but they need to be able to show what else they can do. And so with that, I am extraordinarily excited for this game, even though you're right, we only got a CG trailer. I love mechs. We haven't gotten a mech game in ages. And I trust FromSoft, so I, I hope it turns out well. Yeah, um, I'm looking at their list now. They've made more games than I thought they did, including my most hated PS2 game of all time, Evergrace. That game is a train wreck. But it looks like they used to be called Age Tech. Interesting. But, I didn't know that. Um, they, made, they made all kinds of PS2 games. They, they, were on our, they were on fire on the PS2. Yeah. Um, they, um, wow, they, made, they made Metal Wolf Chaos. I remember that. They really only slowed down in 2011 with Dark Souls. Or yeah. that they were just making all kinds of crap. Yeah, and they even made some Monster Hunter spinoff games for PSP and 3DS. Jeez, they didn't realize I they were, they were in charge of all these. Yeah, I mean they go all the way back to 1994 with the original Kingsfield. Yep. Um, but yeah, dude, it looks like From Software's picked up their stride. I hope Armored Core, um, is good. I loved the ones on PS2, sort of like you. I think I had Armor Core three, maybe yeah. two. I can't remember. I think three was the one I played a lot of, if I'm recalling correctly. I remember it being very complicated. Yeah. But we we really haven't had a mech game recently. I mean, it's been ages. I can't even think of the last like mainstream mech game no. that we've had. So maybe this is it. I'm looking forward to it though. I know that. So those were really all the big announcements I had on my list, Seth. Were there any that you Thought I missed that you wanted to run over or anything of that note. Anything? You um, 
I think that's pretty much it. I, I was a big fan of the Tekken trailer that they showed off. Yes, the Tekken trailer was really good. And I just want to say that the new Warhammer game looks phenomenal. Yes. The Space Marine game, dude, Warhammer Space Marine 2. Holy crap. That looks like that's the, that's the first time a game's come out that's on the, the modern consoles where I'm like, this is what we've been waiting for. That game looks absolutely insane. All the all the um, particle effects and the population of the uh, enemies and whatnot looks incredible. I really, yeah. I can't wait for that. That that's gonna be super cool. I still haven't played the first one; it's on my list. But seeing seeing that trailer for the, the sequel makes me want to go back and play the. Um, this remastered the first one. Apparently, it's not a very good remaster, but I think it I remember up. everybody talking about that game when it released. That was like yeah. a PS3 360 game. Yeah, I've always wanted to play it. Everybody was talking about it. That was probably the first time I had ever heard of Warhammer was when that game released and just everybody was talking about it. And I agree that trailer for for um for this new one looked so good. Warhammer's like a series I've always wanted to get in, get into. It's just so like expansive. Oh, you never know dude. where to start. The the lore on Warhammer yeah. is like the the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my life. I mean, like there's things that don't even seem like they go together that that like sci-fi and and um goblins and and stuff like that and right. orcs and it's just it's crazy. Um too much for me. But Space Marine looks <laughs> Space Marine looks great. So. Yeah. So those were all these specific announcements. I did want to point out, just because everybody's talking about it, I think it is worth noting this kid that walked up at the end. I'm sure you saw this, Seth. The, <laughs> yeah. the Bill Clinton kid that is like 15 and walked up at the end after Miyazaki's speech. I don't, I don't understand the joke behind it. And is it because I don't I'm think anybody old? does? Okay. No, I, I don't think anybody does. I think it it was interesting because at first people thought it was like an a, a racist like anti-semitic joke but it's not according to the kid it seems like he just came up and spouted nonsense that didn't mean anything which makes it even worse <laughs> oh andy seems to, to have something to say i just wanted to point that out just because everybody's talking about it frankly my first thought was why is security not pulling this kid off stage because like what that could have ended really poorly if he had not oh, got yeah. up there with Dude. that in mind I've seen a ton of people say that, and I'm like, they're absolutely right. Like that, that kid could have just come up and stabbed somebody on stage, and no one would have yeah. been able to do anything. Um, I mean, Miyazaki they, was standing up there right next to him for five minutes. So that you know, I I don't know that that's part of my job is to like think of the worst of people. I mean, yeah. I'm a reporter, so that's like my day to day life, but. I don't know, man. When I saw that, I know a lot of people think it's funny, and, and I get that. But to me, it, it really shows that next year, it is something they need to think about is stepping up security. Yeah, for so. sure. Um, I didn't even really think it was that funny. I just thought it no, was like I agree. annoying. Um, yes. It's not, like, it's, it's not like a particularly like funny. If, it, if the kid like ran up and was like, Epstein didn't kill himself. That I would have laughed at that, right? Like that, that would have been funny, <laughs> you know. But he's like, uh, "Shout out to my reformed rabbi, Bill Clinton." That's what he said, right? Rabbi. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm like, what? It wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So. Did you make sense? 
but I just felt like that needed to be mentioned. Um, oh, and and the Kratos voice actor, yes, like trying to <laughs> prolong the speech, long. and they they them playing his music and him not leaving that very good moment. <laughs> At first, I thought it was like, okay, are they just giving each guy like more time to talk this time around? But no, it was just the music was playing and he didn't want to leave. Yeah, it was it I, was a solid like eight nine minute long speech. <laughs> I um. Everyone was talking about it, so I went back and like like watched it, and it's very, very funny. The funny thing was, to the rest of the show, Jeff was like, "Well, we got to get moving because Chris's <laughs> speech." It's like, man, maybe they're not a good turn. Like, maybe maybe like some bad blood. And he was like, "I'm just gonna ruin your whole show." <laughs> <laughs> the world may never know. So. Well, good stuff. Yeah, I thought it was a, a good show overall. I really enjoyed the announcements. I thought the awards were were good this time. Uh, God of War, clean shop, aside from Game of the Year, which, honestly, I was a little surprised by. I thought Elden Ring was going to do a little more than what it did, but all the stuff God of War got, I thought, was well-deserved. Especially, so many people are saying it didn't deserve it. The, the um, sound design award that God of War won. People were like, yeah, it doesn't deserve that. I'm like, are you nuts? The sound design in that game was phenomenal. So. Yeah, I don't. I didn't hear anybody talk about that. <laughs> but. but quickly, Seth, I wanted to, to touch on before we wrap up here. What yeah. have you been playing? Anything good of note over the past couple of weeks? Yeah. Um, the only thing I really want to shout out is uh, Vampire Survivors, which everyone is talking about right now. Maybe the most engaging game I've ever played in my whole life. What is it? So it essentially takes like a bunch of things from Castlevania and puts your character on uh, a plane. And instead of just moving left and right, like a Castlevania game, your your character can move up and down as well. And essentially the goal is it's just a survival game. Like you're trying to survive as long as possible. But... Your character, you don't use any of your character's abilities. They use them on their own on a timer. So, like, for instance, if, like, the first character you unlock starts out with a whip. And he just whips in front of him every second or two. Okay? And then you, every time you level up, you select a new ability. So, eventually, what this turns into is, like, these, your character just using all these abilities at once, just being circled by, like, damage attacks. and thousands of enemies on the screen coming at you and you're just like trying to see how long you can survive Di- different waves of enemies different types of enemies and um it sounds really simple and stupid and it kind of is but there's just something about it dude that that is extremely fun to play and the thing that's really grabbing me is it's scratching an itch for like just really quick gameplay where I can just jump in and just play it. And I don't, I don't have to worry about like story or plot. I can hold a conversation while I'm playing it. Because really all you're doing is moving the character around in the, the smartest way possible, in, in the way to survive as long as possible, and um, collecting gems and, and selecting your new abilities when you level up. But the, the, the abilities all are on by themselves, and... I know everyone's talking about it. I just want to reiterate, it is really good. It's fantastic. It's really addicting. So, so as you've been talking, I just downloaded it because this was an announcement at 
Game Awards, they yeah. announced like the the mobile version or whatever. So I just down, downloaded that, and I know it's on Game Pass too. So I need to try. It. Everybody keeps talking about it. I just haven't looked into it. So I it's didn't crazy really know what it was. It's such a simple concept, and the game is like overtly simple to the point where it's really fun. It's and, and it feels very refreshing. And I think people are going to talk about it for a long time, um, because and undoubtedly there's going to be an enormous amount of clones based on this game right now because it's huge yeah. so yeah i did play that and i'm almost done with um pokemon scarlet and oh. wow uh, i'm really enjoying it i'm i'm having a blast with the game i, I um will say though i think it's a little too easy to get pokemon that should be hard to get like grinding out the pseudo legendary was always a big deal in the pokemon games right like your garchomp your tyranitar right well now you can just catch tyranitars and salamences in raids that you can join at any oh. point in time wow and as long as you beat them the raids have a hundred percent catch rate so all you have to do is beat the raid which is like super easy because people are coming in with like level 100 pokemon right and one-shotting them and then you just throw a Pokeball and you have a Salamence or a Tyranitar. And it's like, okay, well, that's kind of lame. But that is, yeah. Because it was it's annoying for me, right? Because I was I had this um Jupiter, that's how, I think it's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. In my party, and I was like leveling him up my with my party the whole time, like I would normally do with a pseudo legendary that I caught early in the game. And then they announced the Tyranitar raid. And I'm like, well, I just wasted whole entire All this time. time yeah <laughs> i hate this <laughs> but other than that dude the game's really good and it, it had performance issues but there's something about pokemon that's just really good yeah i think i think that's where i come down on it like i, I really do think it's worth playing because it's a blast i i will say my comment from the last podcast stays true though it starts out extremely slow and they the, the yeah. Characters are very long-winded in the beginning of the game. But once you get over that hump and you start getting like the real Pokemon gameplay, it's very good. And one thing that I think sets this game apart from all the other Pokemon games is that it's extremely challenging. Really? Yes. So, Wow. I didn't know that. Did you beat Sword and Shield? No, I never played Sword and Shield. Okay. I kind of stopped after Let's Go. So I didn't beat Sword and Shield either because I... um got kind of bored with it but there's this famous charizard at the end of the game that has it's a grass type move so you're rolling in here with because he it goes throughout this whole game and the charizard's like this dude's main pokemon right so you're gonna roll into this fight with like i don't know blast toys or something but this charizard has a grass type move which is nonsense that doesn't even make sense it's nonsense right but that is what sort um, Scarlet and Violet is all based on, right? Because right, like the um, crystal thing. The Pokemon right? can change types. Yeah, yeah, with with terrestrializing or whatever. Um, so that adds like a huge element of surprise to the game because I have already gone against gym leaders, whose n- none of their Pokemon are the type of gym they are. But they can all testralize into the, the electric or whatever. That's leader is. awesome. Yeah, I like it, that. It's really fun. It it adds like a really challenging element to the game. And um, at the point where I'm at in the story, like 
this dude just wiped the floor with me. And I haven't had that in a Pokemon game in a long time where I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to beat this game. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing for me was with the 3DS games from X and Y onward. X and Y in particular were just so easy. Yeah. Like, uh, insanely easy. I think anybody could beat those games without even trying. Yeah, you didn't and... even have to worry about types most of the time. You could just, you know, go in with right. your Pokemon and, and mop the floor with them. And so I enjoyed X and Y. I thought they were good. I liked Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. But by the time we got to Sun and Moon, which I played a decent amount of still, that's when it started. The the whole like 3D stuff, like the new things they were trying, it started to wear off because of that exact thing of me going through. And I know this is contradictory to what I said at the start of the podcast about not wanting to be challenged. <laughs> But when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again for 60 hours without yeah. any challenge whatsoever, that's a little different. Yeah. And it started to lose me on that front. And I had that same issue with Let's Go. That's why Let's right. Go Pikachu just, I, I wasn't feeling it. So that game was absurdly easy. Like that, that yes. those games were like way too easy. But Scarlet and Violet, man, you're going to get into some sweating when you're, when you're fighting the gym leaders and um, the team star. Um, boss battles like it's it's come down to the wire a few times for me and because you don't really like I said you don't know what to expect so now what I've come in what I've, what I've realized is I have to play like two cards in advance right so if I'm going into like a gym leader that's a certain type not only am I bringing Pokemon that are strong against that type I'm bringing Pokemon that are strong against a type that's strong against that type <laughs> because I know wow they they always have that that card flipped. So that's fascinating. Yeah, it, it's. I'm really, really looking forward to playing it at some point. I, maybe after Christmas or something. But definitely get in there. Everybody always, you know, I think it's impressive. I'm not saying it's okay that Game Freak released the game in the state it's in, but at the same time, I think it's impressive that people are loving it so much. Still, I yes. think that shows that technical issues aside, the game itself is amazing. Yeah, I think if the technical issues had not been present. I think it's pretty clear it would be one of the best, if not the best, Pokemon games of all time. I would 100% agree. So, based off what I've heard. But I wanted to touch on quickly, I've really only been playing one thing. I did start up Elden Ring and just wasn't really feeling it. Uh, it wasn't anything on the game itself, but I think it was more so it was just too similar to God of War after coming off of that. You know, I know they're drastically different games, but I'm just talking about as far as the gameplay and you know, the whole fantasy. It just wasn't wasn't what I was feeling. So instead, I swapped to Sonic Frontiers. Oh. Which is much different. Now I see that coming. And that game, Seth, is amazing. That's what I've heard. I've heard it's super good. It's really, really good. I don't think it's worth like 60 bucks still. I wouldn't pay $60 for it, but it's constantly going on sale for 30 already. Crazy. And it is well worth that price. Um, I dude probably the most fun I've had since Sonic Adventure 2. I almost guarantee you that is probably the last IGN first demo that comes out. Oh yeah. Because that completely killed any mo- like motivation to buy that game for most people, I think. Cuz it was terrible. No, it did. It did and it doesn't the the sad thing is it doesn't portray what the game is like at all. Yeah. Um it's not it's not open world, which a lot of people thought it was. It's still got your standard Sonic levels mixed in. It's more so about exploration and combat, which I wasn't expecting at all. Like a big portion of this game is combat, which I love. 
they mix in all these different moves and combos and things you can do as you're finding the enemies. And the gameplay is super fluid. The the one thing I was not expecting was that because based off the the previous 3D Sonic games, a lot of them I would say Sonic Adventure One and Two were relatively smooth, like for the time. But looking at you know generations and some of the more colors, some of the more modern 3D Sonic games, you really feel like you're controlling a tank. Like you feel like you're Sonic, just unstoppable, yeah, and you like can't sure. move. You're just plowing forward and frontiers. You feel like you've actually got control of them for once. Like you can actually spin around and go in circles and do whatever it is at like six million miles an hour, and it's awesome. I'm yeah. I was like totally shocked by it. I I'm really loving it right now. I'm probably about seven hours in, and. I'm just enjoying the crap out of it. I, I've always been a big Sonic fan since I was a kid, but frankly, I haven't enjoyed a whole lot of them since, you know, the GameCube days. And this right. really brings me back to to those days. Yeah, I'm the same way. I uh, I love Sonic Adventure 2. It's one of my favorite games as a kid, but after that, I wasn't really a big fan of any of the games. But yeah. I, I've heard this is really good, so I'll definitely pick it up at some point. Um, I'm just... I'm more amazed at this giant resurgence that Sonic the Hedgehog has right yeah. now with the, with the movies that are, you know, somehow pretty good. I know. And um, also this game that just came out. So, Yeah, and they, they, they nailed it, thankfully, because Sonic has not had a game since Sonic... Um, oh, hell. I don't even remember that last game that released that everybody just said was garbage. Um you could like customize your own like playable character and oh, everybody just said it was awful. I forgot about that. Sonic Forces, I think. It that sounds right. A... But everybody said that game was terrible and we haven't had any Sonic games since the Sonic movies have released aside from from Sonic Forces. And so they hit the nail on the head with this one, I think, finally getting a good Sonic movie out, good Sonic game out at the same time. I think it's going to go a long way for getting this series back on track hopefully yeah I agree. But, yeah it's well worth playing well worth well worth playing it's it's just the the i don't know i it takes me back to being a kid again and for that i, I really appreciate it i don't think it's for everybody but if you enjoyed sonic in the past if you like sonic adventure you'll enjoy this one for sure so and there, it, there are uh, even a lot of callbacks to sonic adventure in the game which is awesome it was sonic forces by the way that was the okay. that was the last one yeah. Before that, it was Sonic Mania. Yeah. Sonic Mania was good, but that was like a 2D kind of uh, remix of the that's old what I've heard. trilogy. So, but uh, yeah, that's really all I've been playing, and I'm going to continue playing more. Nice. So. Nice. Well, good deal. Let's wrap it up there, Seth. It was a good Do chat it. with you. I, I agree. I concur. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with your friends. Of course, your friends probably haven't heard of us, so make sure they hear of us from you. You can tell them they can find us on iTunes, Spotify, all those good places, Google Podcasts, literally anywhere you can get a podcast. We are on it. So let your friends know. Share us on Twitter and and social media pages. Let people know we're out there. It really helps us gain more listeners and more fans like you. So. Of course, you can find us individually on Twitter. I am at Austin J. Eller. Seth is at Seth the 90s Kid. Go follow. Go follow. George, 
is at purplebird616. That's also where you can find his sister show, Shortbox Summary, all about the Marvel Universe and Marvel Comics. So go check that out. And then Coach, who is not here, does not have a Twitter. So you cannot find him anywhere. Frameskip itself is at Frameskip Pod, pretty much on any social media platform. So follow us there. And then if you've got questions for us for next week or any comments from this show, please send them in. You can do so either on those social media pages or you can fill out our question comment form at bit.ly slash frameskipq. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash frameskipq. And until next time, gotta go fast. Gotta go fast.